behind the men who are cutting and harvesting wheat and, and uh, the spillage that's left over they're able to pick up and take home as their pay, so the, the ladies do. So she goes and does that. In the, it, she happens to go to the field of this guy named Boaz, and Boaz uh, invites her. Sa- he says, don't go to anyone else's field. You come to my field. You stay with me. I'll, I'll protect you. I'll make sure you're safe, and you can come and you can take, uh, you know, you can glean from my fields and take whatever you need uh, back to your mother-in-law and for yourself. But anyway, in, in chapter 2, verse 11 and 12, listen to, to Boaz's reply to Ruth's commitment and faithfulness to to Naomi. Boaz replied, I've been told about what you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband, how you left your father and mother and your homeland and came to live with a people you did not know before. May the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly uh, rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. All right, isn't that a beautiful picture? And Boaz basically says to her how impressed he is with her commitment and asks for the Lord to bless her, um, to bless her. And we know what happens for the rest of the story. I'll just give you the skinny. What happens is, is that, uh, uh, you know, Ruth reports back to Noemi everything that's happening, and she says, look, this guy is, here's where we get the term kinsman redeemer. That means that there was a person out there who was a relative of yours, who when the family fell into trouble, would step in for their family, and if the family had to go and and sell their property, they would go and buy back the property so that it would remain in the family. Or if the family had lost all the men and they needed an heir, that, that kinsman would step in and would be an heir to the family, or if someone in their poverty, if they had had to sell off one of their one of their family because they were so impoverished, the kinsman redeemer, the one who was related to them, a close family member, he would step in and he would buy them back from slavery. You see the beautiful picture there of this kinsman redeemer who's buying back that which was lost in their poverty, in their poorness. He would come in and he would step in and he would be really the hero to the family, and he would buy back that which, which was lost, whether it was a person or whether it was property, and he would step in and say, no, I'll stand in the gap. I'll give my money so that we can all be together, so that I can bring the family together, so that the property can continue to have the, the family name on it. And that's exactly what happens with Boaz. He steps in with Ruth, and Ruth basically asks him to marry her, and he says, I'll do it. And he commits, he says, I'll buy you the property from your mother, I'll, our mother-in-law, I'll buy the property back and I'll keep it all under the same family name and it'll all be under the name of, of Ruth's uh, 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 former husband who had, who had deceased. And he says, I'll buy it back. And so his, R- Ruth's generosity and commitment to her mother-in-law turns into a faithfulness and a commitment into a man who would marry her and buy all of the property and keep it all together under the family name. And he also gives selfless selflessly and generously to keep them and all of it all together and the book in the beginning is hopeless and there's death and there's sorrow and there's 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 this feeling that things aren't going to work out and we're destitute and we're poor and we don't know how this is going to happen and in the end it ends with rejoicing and sweetness and the faithfulness of God that's been visited to them by Boaz okay let me tell you a couple things well, just a, a question at first. Marriage takes commitment. And here, I got a little quote to read you here. William Da, da I don't know how to say his name, da, Daughtry. We'll, we'll say that. Da, da, you know what? There's someone really famous who has the same last name, but I still can't say it. But anyway, he's a writer and a marriage counselor. And his name is William. We'll call him Bill. All right. 
Bill describes two distinct kinds of commitments that couples make. One is what he, co- what he calls commitment as long as. It means staying together not as long as we both shall live, but as long as things are working out for me. The other kind of what Bill calls is a commitment no matter what. He describes it as the long view of marriage in which you don't balance the ledgers every month to see if you were getting an adequate return on your investment. You're here to stay. I tell you, I do a little bit of marital counseling, and um, one of the things that I see that's very dangerous is when I see when both partners don't agree that this is a commitment to death. (laughs) Yeah. Let me give you some advice if you're not married. If you're marrying someone who says that divorce is an option if things aren't working out, do not marry them. All right? Do not marry them. Because when things get tough, they've already accepted in their minds, there are some cases under which I might leave this marriage. All right? My advice to you, do not marry them. There are plenty of fish in the sea, as, you know, your mom and grandmother used to tell you. There are plenty of fish in the sea. And you don't, need to put up with that with someone who's thinking that at any time I could jump. At any time I could jump out of here, I could leap out of this. I don't have to be a part of this if things get tough. If you can't commit your life to someone and they can't commit the rest of their life to you, do not marry them. You're, you're not ready or they're not ready. Okay, so here's the deal. How in the world with the way that people change, with the way that you change, with the way that your spouse may change over time, how in the world can you possibly say, David, really, do you really expect people to stay committed for the rest of their lives? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. Marriage is broken honorably only by death. Uh, uh, That is just the way that the Scripture teaches it. It, 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 That is just the truth, all right? Uh, All right. I I, I would ask you this morning if many of you, how many of you were in families uh, when you were children who who suffered through divorce? Okay. Are you a fan of divorce? It's just, it's just that simple. When you get into marriage, that we want children to grow up in families that have a mom and a dad. You, you want to provide the best uh, 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 strengths that, that, that come from a man and a woman, and that happens best through people who stay together and who've decided, no matter what, I'm going to be here. But my question for you this morning is, how do you commit? How does anyone commit the rest of their lives when they don't know what the future is going to bring? Really? For better or for worse? Really? For richer or poor? What if we just get absolutely destitute? What, what, if, what, if, what if someone gets sick and, and, they, and they, they, can't, you know, they can't act as a, as a husband or a wife or a provider or, or, or a support anymore? How can you say that you're supposed to stay together for the rest of your lives? I'm telling you, the only way to do that is this. You have to know the one who's committed, who committed his life to you. And you have to be changed by his love and his commitment and his sacrifice internally. And it only happens through knowing and loving and, and seeing and meeting and knowing and growing in the Lord Jesus Christ. Apart from that, I don't think there's any real hope that any marriage could hold together. All right? And let me give you the picture one more time. Boaz steps in to a widow and, and, his, and her widowed mother-in-law. And he says, I will buy back the property I will be a, a provider for you, and I'm going to buy back all of the things that, my, that, that, that this family might lose, and I'm going to redeem it all. Boaz is a picture of a future redeemer who would be an even greater hero than Boaz. There is a greater hero that's being foreshadowed here in the book of Ruth. 
the one who would be a kinsman redeemer, a, a, a one who would be an Israelite, who would come and would buy back his people who had been lost and sold into slavery, into sin. And he would give his life, both his ministry, I mean living and walking every day, buying back and teaching truth and telling people, come and find me, come and find truth in me. This is the way to find forgiveness of your sins. And he gave his life in death that people all over, including his fellow Israelites, might be redeemed, that they might be bought back even though they were sold as, slim, as, as slaves into slavery. So, you know what I'm saying. Sold as slaves into sin. Okay, there we go. Or sold into slavery to sin. Okay, anyway, but regardless, uh, unless you know him and unless you're growing in relationship with him, I don't know how you stay together for life. I, I don't know. Unless you've seen the one who gave his life in, in, in absolute commitment to you and to me. I, I don't know. Let me tell you just very quickly. Brent and I went through a very difficult time in our marriage. Actually, um, about years, what, about years three through about year nine or ten was tough. Um, it was really tough. And we were stubborn enough and didn't believe in divorce enough that we stayed together. But listen, we easily could have divorced. We were miserable, both of us, absolutely miserable. And, and not just for a year or two. I mean, it was a long nine, seven, what, seven years, nine years? Brent always has to remind me, something like that. Anyway, um, it was a long time, and we were absolutely miserable together. We couldn't talk together. If I said anything to her, it, it, she got defensive. She was always assuming that I, the, that I, was, I, meant, um, that, that I meant harm in what I was saying to her. And, and it didn't matter what she did. She was always in trouble with me. We couldn't communicate well. We couldn't talk well together. There was always an, an atmosphere of, of tension in the air in our home together. And uh, yet, let me tell you, the Lord broke through all of that. And through the coming together under uh, a couple of friends of ours, the former pastor here and his wife, we were able to go back and work through all that mess of hurt and all that mess of misunderstanding and all that mess of, of anger toward each other. And we were able to begin to slowly unravel all of that. And I tell you what, today... I have, I'm, I have the best marriage of anyone I know. I, I just do. And I'm telling you, it could have ended in divorce. It could have. We could have been divorced, and my children would be, would be uh, the product of divorce today. But by God's grace, and by praying things like this, Lord, help me to love her like you do, because I don't. I don't have enough love. I can't conjure up enough. I need you to be in me what only you can. I need to rely on your strength. I need to rely on your love. I need to look to you, to your resource. But you've got to love her through me because I don't have enough. I can't do it. It was through prayers like that and through help of some friends and careful ministry of slowly taking away the hurt and peeling away the anger and peeling away all the frustration uh, that Brent and I became friends again. Um, only by God's grace. We weren't smart enough. We tried and tried and tried to figure it out ourselves, and it wouldn't happen, right? Only by God's grace, only by the ministry of his people, only by the ministry of his love uh, toward, you know, through us for, for the other person uh, that we stand here today, even together, but much less very much in love. Yeah? Okay. Let me end with this. Um, we have a, well, you know what, L let me just end with this. Commitment is only real when it perseveres. Commitment's only commitment when it lasts, right? <laughs> it's not commitment if it didn't last. 
it's not commitment if it didn't take. And I tell you, just really, just uh, w- one quick story. I see, a lot of times I see couples, and you do too, who get married and they don't make it a year. I see other couples who made it 50, 60 years, and the last years of their lives together weren't what you and I would call quality time. I've seen uh, elderly people, and Brenda sees them every day at the nursing home, where one of them is unable to even recognize their husband or their wife anymore. And yet, in incredible commitment and faithfulness, their husband or their wife comes and visits them. They spend time together. I know there's a gentleman who attends here regularly at Calvary who just lost his wife uh, last year. But uh, his wife was unable for the last, I forget, it was like four or five years, he was unable, absolutely unable to, to get around. He couldn't leave his house for more than about 40 to 45 minutes because she couldn't remember that she couldn't stand up by herself and he was afraid she would fall. So he would leave the house for no more than 30 to 45 minutes to do all the, the shopping that they needed, paying the bills that they needed to do, any running around that he needed to do. But otherwise, he was by her side for the last four or five years except for 30 to 45 minute increments. Otherwise, he was right there with her all alone. That's commitment. That is the beauty of Christian marriage, is that I don't care what you're able to give me. I still have more to give because I know the one who gave that kind of commitment to me. Amen? May we have that kind of commitment. May we know the one who gave us the example of that kind of commitment. Amen? So it'll change your life. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have through Jesus Christ. You have rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son you love. And in him we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Lord, we thank you that we have known what it is to have a real commitment, uh, one that was complete and total, a commitment that was not only a, the act that d- directed Jesus' actions in, in this life when he was here on earth uh, in physical form, but also his actions in giving up his whole life for us. Lord God, I pray if there's anyone here who doesn't know you, who doesn't know the love and the forgiveness that came through Jesus Christ, Lord God, I pray the day would not end without them coming to know uh, the one who gave his life for us, the one who is the, the real kinsman redeemer, the one who bought back and desires to, to buy back all that was lost for us. Lord, beyond that, for all of us who've known and tasted your redemption and known and tasted your commitment and your love and your sacrifice and your devotion toward us, Lord God, I pray our lives would be changed by it. I pray that we would love our spouses, our husbands, our wives, Lord God, the way that you love us, that we'd be able to show that kind of commitment, that it will have have taken root in our lives, and that uh, by being strengthened by you, Lord God, that we can love our spouses through thick and thin, for richer, for poorer, for better, for worse, in sickness and in health, just like the commitments we made when we were first married. Lord God, make us a people of commitment, just like you're a God of commitment. Make us a people of devotion, just like you're a God of devotion. Make us a people of love and unity, just like you're a God of love and unity. Lord God, we, we, uh, we ask that you be with us this week. Help us, Lord God. As we study through the book of Matthew this, this, uh, this month, Lord God, we do pray. Give us your spirit of wisdom and revelation that we might know you better. It's in Jesus' great name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Lord bless you. Thanks for being here today.